Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. You know you're hot when it's news that you didn't homer, but earlier the Marlins beat the Giants 8-1 without the help of another John Carlos Stanton homer. He went 2-4 for four with the run scored in a stolen base, also hit by a Matt Cain pitch. Streak of consecutive games of hitting one out of the yard, and it had six, still on pace for about 60 homers a season. Yeah, the big question is, will he be a Marlin next season? According to Yahoo's already cleared waivers, and he could be dealt by the end of the month. He's the only draw at the park. You can't sell a, a team. A draw at a park sell- that sometimes has drawn 1,500 people? They just bought the team. They didn't buy it to not That's have why it's and his time contract. for a reboot, Mike. Time for a reboot with the new owner. I was shocked the Giants didn't walk him in the fifth with two outs on the bases loaded. Didn't intentionally walk him. It didn't come back to bite him, but still, that's not a guy you mess around with. What's good? Welcome to the best 60 minutes of your day. Good to be back. Coming up, you'll hear from one of the best voices in the NFL. In some ways, we're living in the worst of times, so you need to hear what the Seahawks' Michael Bennett has to say about his national anthem protest. We'll also have our say on what LeBron had to say about the state of our nation and our fantasy football faux pas here at ESPN. But we start with our top six stories at six on the six, beginning with Urban Meyer on Ezekiel. He's not as easy to get as he used to be, and, and I love Zeke. I talk to his family more often than Zeke. Um, we all want what's best for him. He's, uh, he'll be ever remembered as one of the great players to ever put on a scarlet and gray uniform. I worry about him. I worry about the fact that, uh, you know, I don't know all the stories about the accusations, but I'm always warning our team about that. You aren't, there's, you, you, when you become that kind of person, you have to really be cautious who you're around and who you're with. And, and I just worry about him. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I've talked a little bit, and obviously I got his side of the story. So I worry about him. All right, while Urban Meyer is worried about him, the NFL and the NFLPA are going to war over him. Uh, let's start with this statement from Joe Lockhart, the NFL Executive Vice President of Communication, who said the league has received multiple reports that the NFLPA was spreading derogatory information to the media about Ezekiel Elliott's accuser. Uh, strong words here. It's a common tactic to attempt to prove the innocence of the accused by discrediting the victim, in this case, Ms. Thompson, when coming forward to report such abuse. Common or not, these tactics are shameful. The NFLPA They fired back immediately. The public statement issued on behalf of every NFL owner is a lie. The NFLPA categorically denies the accusations made in this statement. We know the league office has a history of being exposed for its lack of credibility. So whose side are you on with this? Damn sure ain't the NFL's. This is real rich. And their point might be valid, but it's real convenient for you to finally get religion on the NFL and say, hey, this is how it's done when it comes to tastefully handling situations of alleged domestic abuse. It wasn't that long ago where Roger Goodell had Ray and Janae Rice in his office asking about that incident. It wasn't that long ago when the Ravens paraded Janae Rice out at a press conference. They have mishandled so many domestic violence cases the NFL has until don't sit up here and act like you have the moral high ground and have the ability to tell somebody about what you should and shouldn't do when it comes to attacking the credibility of a victim, an alleged victim, excuse me, whose credibility is legitimately in question given that everything that's been quote-unquote leaked was in the 160-page report to begin with. 
Secondly, it's also real rich for the NFL to want to point the finger when it comes to leaks. Yeah. It specializes in that. <laughs> yeah, and they can't blame the public, certainly not the media, for not trusting them when it comes to their investigations. Seeing as, look, even though Deflategate is not in this category in terms of the level of seriousness, but starting with that and other NFL reports and investigation, they've always found a way to be absolute train wrecks. And I do think people need to make that distinction that you brought up. It makes me uncomfortable as somebody who's written about and had commentary on domestic violence to ever challenge the credibility of someone who is reporting that they are a mm-hmm. victim of domestic violence because it happens all the time. Right. That, that's the, and that's false a goal accusations to, are more rare correct. than people actually realize. And so realize. what you don't want to do is send this perception that everybody's lying when it comes to domestic violence or even sexual assault because that's also where credibility uh, issues tend to spring up. But in this case, this is credibility related to whether or not Ezekiel Elliott right. actually committed an act of domestic violence. Because if he's violence. innocent, his reputation is being ruined. It you is. don't put this toothpaste and back look, in the And look, the NFL, they were aware of some of the same information that we know about in, in terms of text messages and possible motives, all those things. And I am just baffled that they could know all those things and still come to this conclusion. Like, it, like it, You're it's not just, baffled? Why are you baffled? You're right. We both knew this was coming. This right. is better safe than sorry, okay? Mm-hmm. They have taken so much heat over the years for being too soft on domestic violence. No way in hell they go investigate a year and say there's nothing to see here, only to have either videotape or other evidence come out in a civil case where it was proved that they dropped the ball again. So they'd rather say, hey, we went too far than too light on an issue of domestic violence. Real quick, Harold Henderson appointed as the hearing officer for the appeal schedule for August 29th. Now, he reduced Greg Hardy's appeal uh, upheld Adrian Peterson's appeal. With all due respect, I think today's back and forth lets you further know that they didn't give him six games to see Harold Henderson, who again is supposedly neutral, right. reduce it to four. I don't expect Not to, to mention it should be zero if he's innocent, which means we'll see you in court. All right, Des Bryant, uh, speaking of Cowboys, told reporters yesterday that he had nothing to say about the national anthem protest, but then he spent a lot of time on Twitter defending his comments to upset fans. Des tweeted he had a family to feed. And when another fan criticized his lack of response, he said, bruh, it's the wrong place and time to be talking about that. I care about my black people. At the same time, I have a family. Is it fair or unfair to criticize Des Bryant for his stance? Oh, it's it's definitely fair. And in fairness, I've said this a a bunch of times ever since these uh, anthem protests started. Patriotism and posture are mutually exclusive. There are plenty of people who fancy themselves as patriots, who think they're about what America is about, who stand and salute the flag and, and, and wear, you know, and, and wave the flag, this, that, and the other, that are the worst that this country has to offer. Because they like that when, it, when liberty and justice for some, it applies to them, okay? So a lot of people out here call themselves patriots who are not. So I don't want to say that you have to uh, protest the national anthem in order to be down for the cause. There are lots of people who are standing for the anthem who are doing tremendous work on behalf of social change. Kenny Stills of the Dolphins kneeled last year is not this year, okay? We already talked about the fact that Colin Kaepernick, for a variety of reasons, already acknowledged that he was not going to continue it. So you don't have to kneel or protest the anthem in order to fight this fight. That said, I'm real disappointed in Des Bryant. I'm not shocked, but I'm real disappointed because you can say, hey, I I believe in the cause, but I have my reasons for wanting to salute the flag and and rise for the anthem out of respect. That's fine. 
miss me with the I got miles to feed. Because they got plenty of people out here and got a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of that's putting their lives and their livelihoods on the line for the people who can't speak for themselves. So Des Bryant, and for that matter, Hugh Jackson or, or Jermichael Finley, anybody else that wants to sit up here and, and, and echo what Roger Goodell said about, I, I agree with your message, but not the way you're doing it, miss me with that. That's weak. That's yeah. real weak. So I think what Des missed is the fact that he feels that way is problematic in itself, that he automatically linked. He knew just as a person of color, just as a black man, that I know that if I speak out, that that's going to impact the kind of money that I make. Right. That right to there. That's a problem. Yeah. That's a really big problem, because what people are speaking about, speaking out about the change they're trying to create are changes that make us a better country, Mm -hmm. make us all better people. You should want to be a part of that now. In fairness, everybody's not equipped to do that. Absolutely. And not. so if you want to tap out and say, hey, I applaud what they're doing over there. Yeah, that's not that's, that's not, not, how I not who I am. The majority of players aren't kneeling. Correct. And, and I get that. And I understand that. And I'd rather you tap out than get out there and say something crazy right. that might undermine the larger. Which cause. many have done. Exactly. So I'd rather you do that. But at the same time, he's sending a, a, a awful message to people to say, you know what, I, I'd rather worry about mine than worry about everybody else. But isn't else. that the message that NFL owners probably want? That when Colin Kaepernick yeah. is the messenger for their part, like, hey, if you step out of line, this is what happens. But there are plenty of players who are still fighting the fight, who are gainfully employed right now. We're going to talk about them, you know what, without further ado, because your money is not going to be compromised. Maybe right. your brand in certain quarters, but the people that would support you or would not support you because you're standing up for what you believe in, you don't want those people's support to begin with. And you better thank God that other people didn't think that way. So, of course, exactly. Of course, at the under end of the social change spectrum, you have the aforementioned Michael Bennett, who plans to sit for the national anthem all season. Now, we asked him earlier this afternoon what he thinks about Des Bryant's way of thinking. What would you say to the Hugh Jacksons of the world who said that he would prefer or hope that his players didn't protest Jermichael Finley? Uh, has spoken out uh, against these anthem protests. And then you have Des Bryant saying, hey, I got miles to feed. That's, that's not what I'm into. What, what message would you send to people who aren't just neutral but are saying, no, that's not the way to do it? Um, I would say, you know, if you don't do it right now, who's going to do it? You might be living a great life now, but it's about your legacy and your kids and their kids' kids. If they live in a world where they're not going to be accepted for the color of their skin once again, they won't want to be make a choice because where they were born. They won't be able to have things because of their sexual preference. They won't be able to do things. Then what's the point? The point is to make sure that we challenge ourselves to not let the world go back to what it used to be. Segregated bathrooms, um, segregated schools, all those different things where people felt like they weren't a part of society. And why go back there? I challenge these young brothers and old brothers to go out and really go into the community and feel the pain and feel the passion that people are living through every single day. Whether it's on native reservations, whether it's in um, the black communities, the Hispanic communities, just see how people are living and see how people are feeling. I challenge them to go out there and do that. And I know it's it's so hard. It's easy to be selfish selfish at this point and be like, it's just about me. Why would I want to do this? But at the end of the day, this life is about being selfless. And how much can you give back to your community? And how much can you change your society that you're part of? At the end of the day, if it's all about the catches and the wins, then what's the point? It really is not going to matter. You're not going to take any ball with you. You're not going to take any trophy with you. All you can do is take your morals and what you did for your community and what you did for your family. And to me, that's the most important thing. 
All right, much more Michael Bennett in a few moments. Meanwhile, 10 days ahead of their August 26th body at T-Mobile Arena in Vegas, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor won't fight with 10-ounce gloves as the Nevada State Athletic Commission unanimously approved both fighters' requests for 8-ounce gloves, the NSAC. They made a one-time exception for 8-ounce gloves for the 154-pound fight. why. Could it be all that money that will be flowing into Vegas because yeah. of this fight? Well, McGregor posted on Instagram that he was very pleased with the commission's decision. Said he knocked Floyd out in two rounds rather than four using 8-ounce gloves. But here's the thing. Mayweather's fought the majority of his career in 8-ounce gloves and also asked for 8-ounce gloves. More important than gloves. The commission appointed veteran referee Robert Byrd to oversee this box. Yeah, a lot of people um, are concerned about what kind of message this sends from a safety standpoint because there was a reason this rule was in place. At 8-ounce gloves, right. I, people are thinking, yeah, maybe you, the harder-hitting puncher will, be, will have some kind of advantage. There's also a study that's following this fight about whether or not that's actually safer. All right, uh, meanwhile, Bavada, they have released... Their 2017-18 NBA MVP odds, never too early. They like Russell Westbrook, or at least the odds do, really? do to repeat huh. as MVP, even with the presence of Paul George. Kevin Durant at number two, as you can see, followed by Kawhi. Uh, didn't LeBron finish fourth last year? Yeah. Well, so they Kevin fourth. Durant. Exactly. <laughs> um, I like my man Giannis. As in, that's, that's, your, that's your early pick? That's the that's the bet that I would make on it. Yeah. All right, meanwhile, speaking of LeBron, though, uh, if I would bet it, that's not my pick, that's my bet. Speaking of LeBron, Chris Sheridan, the latest to speculate about his future, saying that a source tells him that this will be LeBron's final season in Cleveland, 100% leaving. Relationship with owners beyond repair. Our reporters, the likes of Adrian Wojnarowski, Brian Windhorst, have talked about uh, that certainly the Cavs are approaching the Kyrie Irving trade talks as if they won't have LeBron. I'll just say as it relates to this, this latest Rumor, report, speculation, whatever you want to call it. I doubt Maverick Carter and Rich Paul actually know with 100% certainty what LeBron James is going to do. I, don't, I believe that LeBron James doesn't even know what he's going to do after this year. So that's where I'm at on that. I don't think it's a You're naive, Mike. I think LeBron. I'm not saying he won't leave. No, I know. You think he knows now what he's going to do in a year? I totally think he knows now. Okay. And, I, I, and I think the Cavs, this is the, the more this drags out, especially with Kyrie's trade demand, they're in an impossible situation because. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. Exactly. Because if you pursue young talent for Kyrie Irving, more than likely that you're going to sacrifice your opportunity to win a championship this year. Mm-hmm. And we know how much LeBron hates to lose. Correct. Hates taking a step back. So then you lose him, right? Right. But he may be leaving you anyway, and you don't want what happened to you last time to happen again this time, that when he leaves, you have nothing. So You know what it kind of reminds (laughs) me of? Do you break up with them before they break up with you? Because if you're the Cavs, I think you do have to approach it that way, that he is leaving. Unless you say what you get. You tell LeBron one or two things. Like, hey, man, look here. Either you commit to us beyond this year, or waive that no-trade clause of yours so we can send you somewhere that will compete this year. But what we're going to do, we as in uh, Dan Gilbert and Kobe Altman, we're going to make the best trade possible if that trade presents itself. I've been going a long time. Uh-oh, you got takes? Go ahead. No, but ain't nothing <laughs> changed from what I said at the very beginning when it came to this Kyrie trade. The most interesting thing about Woj's article, let's go back to that. I know y'all talked about it yesterday in my absence. He said between now and the inevitable Irving trade, they can't seem to make up their mind what they want. So I still say whether it's pieces, picks, or players, and is everybody going to give them that king's ransom, no pun intended, that they want in exchange for Kyrie Irving? Who's going to give them that? So I still maintain that I believe they all come back. Management says, make it work. If LeBron walks, you still have that year and the option of Kyrie Irving left to trade him if he wishes. But right now, nobody wins when the family feuds. Go out there and play basketball like you're contractually obligated to do. But reports like this don't exactly help. And if anything, to me, they create leverage for Kyrie Irving because the Cavs, they might hit the panic button 
knowing and hearing all of this about LeBron wanting to leave. To me, that's worse. So you're saying just get whatever you can for him? Well, but here's the problem, though, Mike, and you brought up the relationship analogy. It's hard to operate within a relationship when you already have scars. Like, this is a redo. This is a second marriage. The only difference is public. And you already have scars from the first marriage. This ain't the War of the Roses. They can survive this. The only difference is it's public. He won it out before. He did. And And they kept him reports all year long about how LeBron wanted to leave, and they chose not to believe him, and he left. That's why they they got stuck Oh, you're talking about last time? Yes. Oh, I thought you were talking about the relationship between these two parties. Kyrie and LeBron. No, no, the you relationship mean the Cavs. LeBron and the Cavs. Oh, That's yeah, why. I hear you on that. Yeah, yeah I hear it's you. It's a little soil. So Marshawn Lynch and Michael Bennett continued sitting for the national anthem the first week of uh, preseason action in the NFL. Uh, you heard a little bit from Michael Bennett earlier. Whatever you're doing, stop what you're doing. Give your undivided attention to this conversation with Michael Bennett, who explains his reasoning behind sitting for the national anthem and the reaction that he's received thus far. All right, and now Michael Bennett joins our show. Um, Mike, obviously uh, your decision to protest and to sit for the national anthem has created a lot of conversation. You said in a recent piece uh, in Yahoo that wasn't as told to that you've been thinking about it for a while. What made you finally decide to do it? I think it was the sh- over, over the weekend and seeing all the stuff that was going on in Charlottesville, so much violence, so much hate. Um, I wanted to get back to the point where we remember why we were why we were American citizens, you know, the freedom, the liberty, and the equality. And I wanted to break, make sure that we never forget that. And really, when I said, I really just wanted to honor that. I wanted to honor those things that we said, those principles, the founding principles of what we're all supposed to be here. Um, so that's the reason, real reason. And and Charlottesville was so crazy, and things happened in Seattle, and just so much controversy going on within the society right now. Um, it only made sense. Now, how long had you been considering? sitting for the anthem and what prevented you from doing it before this week uh, i think i think before uh, uh different place i think over the summer doing so much and on the off season doing so much time spending in different communities around the united states and around the country and around uh, and, and haiti doing a lot of different things and i think it just really resonated with what was going on what was actually going on in the world and how people were um just were being just I don't know, just everything seems so segregated. Everything seems so, um, seems like we're living back in the past. And I wanted to, you know, not make, make, everybody say make America great again. I, I didn't get that and all those taglines. And there was so much hatred going on at this point. I just wanted to be able to um, bring back around and really get that message around about love and peace and trying to get everybody together and try to figure out and look at things differently. Now, you spent a lot of time with Colin Kaepernick, who we'll, we'll get to in a second. But if you recall, when Colin first sat for the anthem, there was a lot of conversation about his posture. And through compromise, he ended up taking a knee, which a lot of people have done. Was there any consideration on your part as it relates to sitting versus taking a knee? Uh, no, it's just all, I feel like it's all the same. I think it all runs together. Um, I think his, we're all, he led it. You see what happened to him. I mean, obviously he had to sacrifice. I mean, I think uh, um, he spoke up and he dealt with a lot of different things that was going on and from death threats to people not wanting him to be in the stadium, people hating it. And so I think a lot of players were scared of that. And then on top of that, the feeling players feeling like um, him being blackballed. Um, I think we all were people were, you know, eventually scared. But now just because he's out the league, we didn't want to lose the message and didn't want to lose that passion to be able to keep pushing for the for justice and liberty and equality for everybody. And no matter the color of their skin or where they're from. And we just want to keep pushing that regardless if he was out the NFL and me being a friend of his. And I wanted to keep that message alive. Uh, you just mentioned how Colin received death threats. What kind of backlash have you received? 
I think I fear, fear the, getting the same. I think I'm getting the same thing. I think um, a Death lot threats? of people don't know when you. Yeah, of course. You know, there's all kinds of people who are saying crazy things. And at this point, it's just one of those things where um, you're proving the point. You're proving the point that um, just because somebody speaks about equality and they speak about justice and they speak about freedom, it, it rubs people the wrong way. That shows you that there's, there's this institutional way of thinking. Um, people think, you know, even some reporters wrote that I don't belong to me. I belong to the Seahawks. So I don't have the right to be able to speak about different things. And to me, I felt like, you know, that was just it was nonsense. It's, uh, it's, it's not it's not the truth. And um, at this point, you know, you just got to keep speaking and hopefully, you know, other guys will join you. I, I honestly believe um, that it, it would take a white player to be able to uh, really get the get things changed because a lot of people when somebody from the other side understands and they step up and they speak about it um it will change the whole conversation because you bring somebody who doesn't really have to be a part of the conversation to bringing himself and making himself vulnerable in front of it and i think when that happens things will really take a big jump well, okay. tell that stick to sports crowd. When they pay your taxes, you'll shut up, okay? <laughs> uh, now, when you you were just comparing it to Colin Kaepernick. Now, when he decided um, to make his stance, he was at a more vulnerable part in his career. You just recently uh, signed a three-year, $30 million extension. Do you think you still would have done this had you not signed that extension and been at the point in your career you are right now? No, I really just think... Uh, it was it was through experience. I think the experiences that I've had over the last two years have led to this moment. I think it's not so much the money is not about the morality. It's more about it's more about the morality and not the money part. I think for me it's really about really seeing this America, seeing how people are being torn apart, seeing how kids um, lack resources, seeing that there's so much in, injustice going on socially and economically. I mean, at this point, it felt right and it feels like we need to be having this conversation. I think a lot of people want to keep, um, they say, why do you care? You shouldn't care, but at the end of the day, it, it matters. Everything matters. There's so many kids who are looking up to us the same way that companies ex- ex- express to us to sell their products, whether it's Nike, Coca-Cola, whether TVs or whatever they want us to sell. Why can't we sell the thought process of freedom? Why can't we sell the thought process mm. of equality? Why can't we sell, sell, sell that and make sure that we are preaching that and make sure that when we inspire kids, don't inspire them just to be athletes, but inspire them to be change makers and change their society and change the people around them and change their communities. That's good stuff. Uh, Pete Carroll said he would prefer that all his players stood for the anthem. Uh, you guys locked arms last year. Doug Baldwin said that you guys do everything as a family. He obviously supported you, as you know, but you guys do everything as a family. What kind of conversations have taken place within the Seahawks locker room among the players since you sat? I think, I think a lot of players um, understand um, the story, understand the process, and understand my purpose and what I believe in. I think they see me and dedicate my life to working in the communities, trying to do change through the foundation, um, working in different parts of the world, and just doing different things. So I think guys understand that this is not, um, it's not anything to fool anybody. This is truly who I am. This is truly what my passion is. This is truly what my message is. And I think guys respect it because they know that uh, I put in the work in. They know that I'm really doing the things that I'm talking about. And I think guys respect that. So I think I haven't had any backlash from any of my teammates as of now, but I think I think I got a lot of love and, and just in general from the city and, and people just around. Um, so it's been really good. I think today was the most touching day for me personally. Um, we had the military out and um, on our on our campus today, and so many of them gave me hugs and gave me pendants and 
and they talked about that this, they believed in me and they, and they trust that the things that I'm doing is the right thing. And for me, that brought that made me very emotional to know that people make this divide that I'm trying to disrespect the military and hear military soldiers coming and talking to me. And that they said, this is what they're fighting for. They're fighting for the equality and freedom of people. Mm. And it just made me feel it just it, it just touched my heart. It touched me because you never know how many people you're inspiring and you never know how much work you're doing to other people to give them the, the right and not to fear with the realities of the world and to go out and to make a change. And I think that's what keeps, keeps everybody going is that to have that freedom and to have no fear, no, not to be judged because of your skin, your choices. And, and that's just what it is, you know, and um, I really enjoyed that today. My man, if we had a collection plate, we would pass it to you. One thing you can never say about <laughs> Michael Bennett is he walks it. And he talks it. Now, walk, go ahead and walk to your meeting and right. keep that Seahawks defense dominant. Yeah, we'll I talk can't to tell you, later. you take your time, Pastor, because uh, you <laughs> got to get gotta out go. of here. Yeah, so thanks for thank taking you. the time, man. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate you guys for having me on. God bless. You mentioned yesterday that Romeo did a lot for you in your mm-hmm. career. Could you expand on, that, expand on that a little bit about what he's meant to you when, when you guys worked together? You know, Romeo and I started together at the Giants. Um, <laughs> And special teams so uh, he and I coached special teams together and then we coached um, defensively uh, together uh, through uh, 1990 um, worked at the Patriots together um, then another team and then you know back with the Patriots uh, in 2001 don't ever let go of that grudge. Let me run it down in case it's not now. Buy it. <laughs> Man. Uh, so the Jets is obviously who he was referring to. Preseason power rankings from ESPN.com. Much to the delight of Bill Belichick in the face. He's really happy to see that. Right, they're last. Jamel 49ers. Second to last at 31, which you expected. You gotta start somewhere. Looking forward to next year. That makes the rise so much better. I'm gonna come back to this portion of the list in just a second. There's 11 through 21. Giants at 11, a little low. You know, okay. People don't love their offensive line, but still, the defense is nice, and they got some more targets for Eli Manning, who wants to play what four more years, or something mm-hmm. like that. And up top, of course, is the Patriots, who I'm one of those undefeated people. I don't think they ever get moved from off the top <laughs> five. That's their permanent place all year, huh? Exactly. Get comfortable. So what's your biggest takeaway from the preseason power rankings? My biggest takeaway is the Raiders being seventh. I actually think that that's not high enough. And um, you moving down? I moved, down, I moved the Cowboys down. They didn't drop that much given Zeke's suspension. They didn't, and that, like that, that really surprised me. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I know that the way the perception is insert any running back with that offensive line mm-hmm. and they should be able to take off. But I'm just in love with the Raiders' offense. They're my favorite team this year, other than my actual favorite team. Thinking about what Beast Mode is going to be able to do. um, Derek Carr probably feeling like something was stolen from him last year, given the injury that he had. So what what about you? I mean, Well, I mean, the top is splitting hairs. I'm going to go down to the bottom of the list. Ten and six last year, the Dolphins at 25. It feels a little disrespectful. Now, granted, they had a rough training camp. Tannehill is the first. Jay Cutler, Jay Cutler effect. No, stop. <laughs> He's only there because Tannehill and a I host know. of other key players have gotten hurt. But I really do believe in Adam Gase. And while Jay Cutler, people, you know, like to, rightfully so, talk about what he isn't, what he is is not that bad, okay? This is a pretty good team. So, absent any more catastrophic injuries, Cutler back in that system, you could do worse. You could do a lot worse than you Jay can. Cutler. You could. Okay? So I understood the Jay Cutler signing, giving a connection with Adam Gase. I think they do a lot better than 25th. All right. Uh, very serious story here involving our own company. Yesterday, ESPN issued an apology for an insensitive auction sketch that aired during our fantasy football marathon, where an auctioneer was seen taking bids on Odell Beckham Jr. 
Now, Odell responded with this tweet saying he was speechless. KD, he also responded on Twitter using more pointed language. Yeah. Nevertheless, the criticism was across the board, severe, very widespread. The mock auction obviously conjured up emotions because it was reminiscent of a slave auction. Uh, Mike, what was your reaction? Um, that was disappointing. Um, but I think we both can say pretty comfortably that given that we know the people here, that this was nobody's sick joke. There's a lot of people that felt like the timing was too uh, perfect, if you will, to be coincidental. Mm-hmm. That was going on right now with the climate of this country that, come on, somebody had to know better than to air a literal auction with an auctioneer in the faces of players, both white and black. But Odell Beckham obviously got the most attention. Somebody had to know better than that. Where were the black people? Right. Well, let's get to that. Number one, I was at a family barbecue. No, <laughs> no seriously. Um, I was away. You were working on your show, as we've had to tell a lot of people. And the way this place works, not to get too far in the weeds, but the way this place works is you don't know what every other show is doing. The left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Secondly, it's unfortunate that ask a black dude, or in your case, a black woman, is, is, is a thing that people have to be asked about it. But whoever greenlit this just didn't know what they didn't know because for everybody that's saying, well, ask a black person what they think about it. Well, if you're asking, then you know it's problematic, so there's no need to ask. Right. So why would you ask if you think it's okay? I'll give you the floor after I say this one. Well, actually, I got two quick things I want to say. I may be among the African-American uh, personnel at this place. I may be the nerdiest fantasy football guy. Many of you know I hosted fantasy football uh, now and uh, fantasy football kickoff on Sundays last season. Not doing it this year, but did it last season. Fantasy football or fantasy sports, according to the Fantasy Sports Trade Association, 90% of all fantasy sports players are Caucasian and 80% are male in the United States and Canada. Not sure what it is for football, but that's fantasy sports. Frankly, that's reflected here when it comes to fantasy sports. Um, There is a lack of management diversity, and I think that clip illustrated that when it comes to some of the decision makers. So that's the takeaway for us as a company that we can do better when it comes to having more diverse opinions, more people in the room where it happens, if I can quote Aaron Burr from Hamilton. Now, I wasn't, uh, like you, disappointed that it happened. Um, And some of the criticism, obviously, you know, warranted. I understand that. But I was also alternately um, very impressed. And I know people will say, well, of course you would say that. You work at ESPN. They pay your salary. I was impressed because, generally speaking, to do our show, we get, to, we get here about 12.30 p.m., 12.30-ish, right? And I'm inundated with tweets of people saying, like, what are the black people at ESPN going right. to do about this situation? We didn't have to do anything. Right. Um, there were already conversations in place, taking place, that will continue to take place after this about where we could do better yes. and how we could be better. And that's what people need to understand. There's no excuse in this. We didn't have there's to no do There was no debate. There was right. no, maybe it wasn't this. Right. No, there was no this debate. This was embarrassing. This was embarrassing. This was embarrassing. And everyone it was here distasteful. The optics, the poor timing, everybody, everything that everybody has laid out. This simply, we dropped the ball. And again, it's about who's carrying that ball. There needs to be, by default, unfortunately, that, that onus still is on us. Right. That ask a black person or ask a woman in the room. But there needs to be just a little more diversity when it comes to the people making a lot of these decisions. Um, all right. Well, um, speaking of speaking out, LeBron James spoke out in a major way um, about Donald Trump, especially in light of the press conference that was had addressing the situation in Charlottesville. And he had even more to say at his family foundation event last night. Take a listen. The only way for us to be able to get better as a society and us to get better as people is, is love. And that's the only way we're going to be able to conquer something at the end of the day. It's, it's not about the guy that's, 
the so-called president of the United States or whatever case. It's not about a teacher that you, you don't feel like care about what's going on with you every day. It's not about people that you just don't feel like that's want to give the best energy and effort to you. It's about us. It's about us looking in the mirror. Kids all the way up to the adults, about all of us looking in the mirror and saying, what can we do better to help change? Can I tie this with the fantasy auction for a second? Mm. You know only 12% of ESPN.com fantasy users use auction drafts? And here's the most unfortunate thing about our faux pas. That's not even how a real auction draft looks, okay? But for all, that, it doesn't go that way with an auctioneer. I make, that, I make that point to say this, Jamel, that for the people saying, oh, it's fantasy football, you're reaching. This is a controversy. This is a, a manufactured controversy. You know what that sounds like to me? And you and I get it every damn day, okay? You know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like the people who are saying, well, why are you injecting race where it doesn't belong? Why are you playing the race card? Why are you race baiting? Why are you race hustling as a lot of racists, frankly, like to accuse people of doing for calling it like we see it? You are in no position to tell people how to see injustice when they're the victims of said injustice. Not you. I'm talking about people yeah, out there that do that. Right. And what I'm saying is it's real. It's convenient from a crowd standpoint for everybody to yell. There's no place for this in America. There is a place for this in America. It's called America. We made a place for this. And everything we've talked about for years and specifically since this individual has been in office, everything we've talked about has been pointing out that white supremacy, racism, bigotry, that stuff, there are white supremacist rallies online every day. It's called a comment section a lot of times, but this stuff is alive and well. And all I would say is LeBron saying he's a voice of command and that the way out is love. And he's right about that. But what does love really mean? Love means working your hardest to understand and therefore empathize with somebody else. My concern is that there are plenty of people who are smart enough and have sense enough to denounce what we saw in Charlottesville and some of the commentary on the part of the commander in chief since then. That doesn't take courage to do that. It takes courage to recognize an injustice day in and day out call it out, speak out on it, and fight it when it's not convenient. Because as Dr. King said, it's a historical fact that the pri- uh, privileged people seldom give away their privileges voluntarily. So this isn't, this isn't about extreme examples of racism and bigotry and intolerance. This is about the subtle, more nuanced things that crop up every single day that when they're pointed out, you shout it down and say, oh, that's nothing. You know what that is? The building blocks and the seeds for Charlottesville. That didn't come out of nowhere. Right. There are plenty of white supremacists who don't walk around with tiki torches and who don't show up and get violent. They're among us every single day. Well, it, it, even racism has um, manners. And by that, I mean that there are there's polite racism, the kind that you're talking about that goes on every day and is embedded in the fabric of this country. And there's impolite racism, which is what we saw in Charlotte, Charlottesville. And when it's impolite and when it's obvious and when everybody can agree on it, then people want to have this rallying cry of like, we got to love. We, we got to do all this because there's a lot of people out there who are uh, outraged about Charlottesville but will tell Colin Kaepernick to stay in his place, Mm -hmm. right? Or feel like Colin Kaepernick doesn't deserve a job or the NFL platform or will tell LeBron James, stick to sports. We're tired of hearing from you. We don't want to hear this from you. Just dribble a basketball. And so to me, you can't have it both ways. You can't sit there on one end and only want to 
uh, speak out against injustice when you, quote, agree with it? Because we're still debating it, which is part of the problem. I appreciated what LeBron did, and he is right. Because regardless of who is in command, regardless of who your senator is or your mayor, you need to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say that you have character, integrity, and dignity. You can govern your world. Yes, you need to govern your world, and for that matter, police the world around you. And the if people, you see something, the say people something. that were like, "Man, I can't believe this happened in 2017." What do you think "Make America Great Again" means? So when you don't want to listen to the dog whistle, it took some kind of violent demonstration to get your attention. We've been listening to dog whistles for months now, and there are people in power whose practices and policies are rooted in white supremacy. So we got we to gotta, we gotta own this right. and not just get conveniently outraged when it's time to do that. It's like we're talking about this day in and day out. So for me, I was kind of like, you know what? This is interesting to see everybody who's now up in arms. I want to see if they maintain this attitude toward the current status quo. Sure, in your travels, Mike, you missed the doing too much countdown. Right? I'm sure. Um, tell you what. You had me in it, too, didn't you? We did. Yeah. Uh, during the Tiger Six, we lost to the Rangers Monday. Ian Kinsler was tossed by a home plate umpire. Angel Hernandez for arguing balls and strikes. Now, Tuesday, Kinsler just unloaded. He said, I'm surprised at how bad an umpire he is. I don't know how, for as many years he's been in the league, that he can be that bad. He needs to reevaluate his career choice. He needs to find another job. He went gal on him. Going I was going to say, you're talking to LeVar Ball? <laughs> like, really? Um, it won't be awkward at all, I'm sure, because uh, tonight uh, he's going to be, Hernandez will be the second base ump. So he'll be real close to Ian Kinsler. Good conversation. Not the first person to talk about how Angel Hernandez is not a very good ump. But the problem is, and he's not the only not good ump. Maybe right. he's among the worst. The problem is when you compound that by being the show yeah. and, and showing up the players and, and being the person that you know draws attention to himself. That's what makes people dislike him so a much. A lot of people look at that as evidence we need in electronic strike zone. These 2K conversations are real. D-Wade not happy that 2K gave him an 84. <laughs> He's damn 84 years old, man. <laughs> Especially when he's standing right. next to LeBron and is 97. Yeah, look, I am amazed at how, how players take this personally, not just in the NBA, but also in the NFL when those Madden, Madden ratings come out. 2K released the trailer. Looks crazy. I know my son's going to want this. How do, I don't know how they improve it year after year. If the Bulls don't improve substantially from where people expect them to be, Nick Ferdell says that Wade and the Bulls will agree to a buyout sometime this season. Maybe he and LeBron can play together after all. Um, I think that would be the smart thing to do for the Bulls. Like, yeah. just you hit the reset button when you traded Jimmy Butler. Just hit it all the way and go ahead. Wait, and are we watching real games? Man. It, I know that. Boy, if I had this when I was growing up, I'd have never gotten homework done. <laughs> I was bad enough as it was. Saints fired two team orthopedists after it was discovered that cornerback Delvin Bro had a fracture in his fibula that was originally diagnosed as a bruise. He'll require surgery, expected to be sidelined for four to six weeks. And as a lot of astute Saints fans have pointed out, they've had injury issues in terms of diagnosis with a number of notable players. So it makes you wonder just how many setbacks they've suffered because of somebody's incompetence. This is like any given Sunday coming to life with the doctor. James Wood? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, um, this is why a lot of players don't trust team doctors as well. They were talking about tra rules where they want to trade this kid. Hometown kid, by the way. Shout out to the 504. All right, Mike. Uh, you know I wasn't going to let you live without bringing this up. You love the Bucks moving up in the second round Still of draft do. kicker Roberto Aguayo. In case you forgot, here you go. I thought it was an awesome, awesome selection. Okay. Go get him. You can't guarantee he's going to be there. Most accurate kicker in NCAA history. Go get him. When the games count, he will make some kicks, regain his confidence, and he will make game winners. And Jason Light and Dirk Cutter and other organization will be, able to say, will be able to say, see, we will write. 
let's get right to it. We're we're gonna we're gonna release you. That was really strong production right there, Sam. <laughs> uh, you think I'm gonna take that back? I, I might. Free, yeah, look, I, before, retreat. No. Retreat. Roberto, when you're in Canton. <laughs> I'm presenting you and revealing your butt. You mean when you take them to go visit? It was a bold selection. <laughs> don't act like kickers don't cost people their jobs. It was a bold selection. It was a brilliant selection. It just didn't work out. It was about the motive, not the results. Yes, there was pressure. <laughs> they, he, didn't, he never missed in college, ever. No way ain't got to go. You're going to clown me in and I'm going to move Look, on. We got, catch hard knocks. The, the encore with it. 1205 somewhere. I don't know what time is coming. Uh, Falcons haven't already been tortured enough after blowing a 28-3 Super Bowl lead. Of course, their new stadium will feature Chick-fil-A. What a tease. But it's closed on Sunday. Don't say nothing ignorant about Chick-fil-A. What, that Wendy's has a better spicy chicken sandwich? Stop. At her. But look. How you gonna have it but it's closed on Sunday? They I mean, I get that they're closed they on Sunday. Other I understand that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Like don't hold it in there. Like more than 28-3 lead. All right, that's Candace Parker getting ready as the Sparks face the Mystics. Tip-off, 7 p.m. on ESPN2. Sparks currently three games back from the top spot in the West. And the Sparks locking arms right now to start the game. Looking at that live right now, probably in response to all the events of everything that's taken place over the last week. All right, before we call the day, let me tell you who might have another good day tonight as Reds, Cubs tonight. Joey Votto looking to reach base twice for the 21st straight game with your tie record, and we'll see if he can also get one out of Wrigley Field when the foul ball happens. Yankees-Mets is next.